0: Hello and welcome to the Quietly Visible podcast. I'm your host, Carol Stewart, known as the coach for high achieving introverted women. And this is the podcast for introverted women who are leaders to help you thrive as leaders and in life. And today I have got with me Michaela Leavorg, And Michaela is the Managing Director of Cybility Consulting Limited, and she is a Freelance Chief Information Security Officer, Advisor and Information Governance and Security Consultant. With over 20 years of experience in IT, nine of which were spent leading information governance and cybersecurity programs for complex, medium and large organizations. Michaela demystifies cybersecurity and helps organizations to build and maintain trust in the security of their services. So hello, Michaela, and welcome.
1: Hello, Carol. Thank you very much for that lovely introduction, and it's a real honor to be
0: here. Thank you. It's great to have you here. I'm really looking forward to this discussion because cybersecurity is a well, one, it's, I know, I'm aware that it's a very male-dominated industry. And also, um, as someone who is an ethnic minority as well, I'm, I'm really interested to hear your experience as a woman and as a, an ethnic minority woman in that space. And also as an introverted woman as well. So, yeah, it's I, I know this is going to be a great discussion. So before we begin... Just tell us a bit about what you do, your work, and what you do. Fundamentally,
1: um, I help organisations look at um, what sort of information they've got, where it is, who's got access to it, who should have access to it, can the people who need it access it when they need to, all those sorts of things, and. Um, Helping make sure that where it's personal data, and it's not always about personal data, by the way, um, as I mentioned in just a moment, um, that that's protected because we as customers expect the organisations we give our information to to look after it. And so it's about helping them to find the best ways of looking after it at a reasonable cost is the other thing because unlimited budgets don't exist Um, but the attackers out there you know that they will only need to get it right once and, and we as defenders have to try and get it right all the time So that's really kind of what I do. I go to organisations and help them with that. Um, I mentioned it's not just about personal data, it could be about other types of information as well. So think about credit card information. If you give that over to a shop, you want that protected, otherwise you could uh, fall victim to identity theft and fraud. Um, Think about intellectual property. Uh, A great example obviously this year with COVID has been um, the increase in cyber attacks against the vaccine developers and manufacturers. So um, it's a very wide varied field. Um, I absolutely love it. It's always changing and um, yeah, Yeah. it's just something that we all need to sort of be aware of in our day-to-day lives because everyone's potentially a target. We all have information that people can uh, make use of.
0: Yeah, and, and it's really it 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 can be kind of scary in a way the the way that you know we've got so much personal data out there organizers agents have our data out there and how people can access it and get into to, into it and it's it's like you know sometimes I think well no matter how secure we make our systems people always seem to find a way to to get around them.
1: Oh, it's funny you should say that, Carol, actually, because uh, there's this lovely comic. um, It's a guy in a boxing ring. And in the one corner, you've got all these expensive computers and firewalls and wonderful gadgets to protect against security. And then in the other corner, you've got a guy called Dave uh, with his uh, secret weapon, uh, Human Error. And, um, you know, as humans, we find ways of creatively getting around things um, if if they're slowing us down from doing the job. Um, And, yeah, we just make mistakes. You know, we don't always design systems. Right. First time. And so the thing I always say is that no matter how much money you throw at the problem, you're never going to be 100 percent secure. There's no such thing as 100 percent secure. Anyone who says so is lying. Mm -hmm. But what you can do is look at the risks to your organization and put enough sort of measures in place to make it more difficult for somebody to make a mistake. So you're inside a threat, make it more difficult for external people to attack and they'll move on to an easier target. Yeah. I know that's an awful thing to say, but, but that's the reality. You know, if you're not easy to target, then there's lots of people out there who are. So it's just about being a little bit better than your competition, really.
0: Yeah. And I guess it's, it's it was, you know, before we sort of had the Internet and um, cyberspace, it was like that in the physical world, wasn't it? That, you know, people would always find a way to get into sort of the physical systems and attack and, you know, break into And so the more you have to increase security in that way. So it just makes sense that it's the same within the cyber world, doesn't it?
1: Absolutely. And I think it's important to remember as well that just because much of the world is digital now, information security protecting those paper records, you know, those photographs, those videos, CDs, um, you know, whatever it might be. It's still around, you know. Let's take our NHS as a perfect example. How many paper-based systems have they got? Yeah. How many of us have gone into a GP surgery and seen, you know, um, a paper record lying on the desk whilst the reception turns away to deal with somebody? You know, it, information security is sort of there throughout every aspect of our lives, really.
0: Yeah. And what made you choose a career in cybersecurity?
1: um i kind of think it chose me actually um so um my my, as you mentioned my background in it i used to uh, work in local government support doing sort of desktop support working my way up etc and um i had moved into project management and I went off and did a contract for a partnership of councils. And then, unfortunately, um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was aged 35. So I ended up having to take a year out for serious treatment. And when I returned back to work, I kind of felt that I wanted a change, but I wasn't quite sure what that change would be, what I wanted. And I had a conversation, a few conversations actually, uh, with the management of this local council. And um, the director of corporate services, he came to me lunch and he said, okay, Michaela, um, I know you want to change. I've got a job that I'm trying to recruit for and can't fill. It's information security. So it's about protecting people's information. I know you're not qualified, but would you be interested? I'm prepared to take a risk on you if you're prepared to take a risk with me. And I took that risk, very, sort of, just threw myself in to learning everything I could on the internet books you know uh, and um, yeah I loved it absolutely loved it and yeah it's
0: now nine and a half years later I'm still here <laughs> wow uh, and, and I think you know that says a lot the fact that he said to you that they're, is prepared, they're prepared to take a risk in you um, and how did that make you feel knowing that that somebody had such confidence in you
1: yeah Actually, reflecting back, it does make me feel really good, actually, because I'm naturally a um, uh, sort of workaholic and perfectionist um, I suffer from perfectionism I'm really very critical and hard on myself and uh, I'm very good at picking up the negatives and not the positives so when things like that happen it's really useful for me to have that kind of external validation to sort of reflect back to myself and say Michaela you know you shouldn't be so hard on yourself because look this person believed in you they thought you could do it you know so yeah it makes me feel really good and lovely and uh, we're still in contact now. Uh, he's uh, yeah, transformed my life by doing that. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. And that can make a difference. Can't. Such a difference. As you say, somebody just believing in you, believing, that's yeah, it, believing in someone and letting them know that you believe in them. Mm. Yeah. And and so as a, a woman, uh, an introverted woman and a yep. black woman, I um, think mm. in the just industry and because you 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 got to quite senior positions, What challenges did you face? (laughs) Um, Quite a
1: few, actually. Um, I've actually written about some of them in, um, I've got a chapter, uh, A Tale of Two Keyboards, in the book Rise of the Cyber Women, Volume 2, which is um, edited by a lady called Lisa Ventura. And um, I've written about some of the challenges there, so I'll just give you a a couple of examples of them. So one of them, um, we, we always... Uh, you know, it's not just my industry across the board, really. Equity of pay it, is an issue. And when I was working in IT, I was doing the same job as um, a white male. And he, quite frankly, was a bit lazy, did the bare minimum. So I was doing quite a lot of the work. And I didn't really mind because I enjoyed it until. I found out on the grapevine, which ironically was actually a data breach because they shouldn't have been sharing this information, um, <laughs> that this person was paid 20% more than I was. Wow. And that just made me feel awful. I just felt so worthless and devalued. And like, you know, here I am putting in all this effort for this organization and they just didn't value me. It's like, why is he so you know, much better than I am? So again as a naturally negative person who's so hard on herself that just really you know sort of put me in not a great place um however i I sort of steeled myself because one thing i will say and i I think i owe this to my dad actually um in terms of when i was brought up he uh, was a union rep um, at a bus company and has a very strong sense of fairness Mm-hmm. Uh, which i say i still have some of my values and so i did approach the management about it um explained my case um i was prepared thinking it was going to be a difficult fight nope they just said yes straight away <laughs> almost as if they knew they were in the wrong yeah. and i was just like why the hell did i not do this sooner you know yeah. <laughs> so that's an example in terms of pay um there are you know countless examples where you know in a meeting you might be overspoken or you know, treated as if you're not there um or uh, oh here's one i hate this uh, as a female um the one where because i work in a technical field okay uh, as you mentioned it's mainly white male dominated and so when i'm introduced um by a colleague um to somebody else who happens to be white male working in IT and they say, you know, this is Michaela, she's, by the way, she's technical. Mm. (laughs) It's just the, the fact that they're saying it highlights that implicit assumption that women in the field can't be and aren't technical, which is an absolute fallacy, absolutely um so so that's you know one of the things that really gets my go
0: <laughs> mm. yeah that's that is um and so how have you navigated those challenges and managed them because you know you, you you have progressed well in your career how how did you manage those challenges
1: um having said I'm just very negative about myself I'm also very positive and very optimistic about everything in general <laughs> um and so i i kind of managed to uh, um i'm very self-driven um so i managed to just through a combination of optimism drive tenacity and my vision for where i want to get to or what i want to achieve for that organization or whatever it might be or myself Um, And I just have a very single minded focus towards it, uh, regardless of what's in the way. And then I'll just try and creatively come up with ways around that, um, whether that's, um, say, if I want a particular decision to go a particular way, it might be pre-wiring the meetings. So talking to the people who are going to attend to try and get them on board ahead of time so that then it's just effectively rubber stamping when you get in. Um, Yeah, all, all sorts of different things. Uh, I mean in terms of the example I just gave you about the introduction those sorts of things I just let go of my head Uh, Mm -hmm. one of the things about and I'd say this is due I've got the skill due to being black in in England Um, you know my my first memory of being discriminated against was I was in nursery school Mm -hmm. and um, a kid wouldn't let me into the Wendy house in the playground And so ever since then, you know, I've always been very conscious that I'm black in a white country. Mm -hmm. And so um, you sort of build up, you know, that sort of resilient skin and ways of dealing with things and just letting things go over your head, um, which is, you know, as it turns out, sort of served me well in my career. Um, I don't have to like it, um, but that is the reality.
0: Yeah, and I think that is... uh... You know, some of the things that you said are are quite key, that um, positive, positive, optimistic, Mm. self-driven, having that vision. And I think those things are so important. You know, if you want to get ahead in your career, having Mm -hmm. a vision, because if you have a vision, then when you get those knockbacks, when you get those setbacks, and there will be knockbacks and setbacks, then having that vision makes it easier for you to pick yourself up and to carry on and and not letting those experiences like what you you've experienced derail you from working towards your your vision
1: yeah Yeah, absolutely and and what i would also say is because i've had lots of uh times um whether it's through the illness burnout um grief counseling over over death you know various interruptions throughout life because life happens um in terms of that picking yourself back up and that sort of resilience, that self-resilience, um, it's very important. But also, I'd say flexibility—the ability to, okay, so that didn't work out. I'll just redefine my vision. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's something else I'd add.
0: Yes, yes, that's right. Because the vision isn't set in stone. Um, mm, uh, we grow. Mm, that's right. Uh huh. And so you mentioned um, you experienced burnout. Um, yes what 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 led to that
1: okay so um uh, i'm going to make an admission now i've experienced it twice Mm -hmm. twice in the past four years um the first time was uh where it'd be january hold on uh 16 17 january 2018 um, I'd been working very intensely at the uh, organization I was working for uh, without the resources to do the job um, and I, I'd uh, basically been burning the candle at both ends um, put forward a business case for additional resource that didn't get agreed and so I literally just you know, Was at my ends, yeah. I I literally couldn't see a way out, Uh, and one day I woke up and it was like my brain just froze, I just couldn't function. Um, and so my doctor signed me off for a couple of months, and it took me from I signed up from January and it wasn't until the May that I was back to full time working. It it took from I started going back a couple days a week in the March. So it's quite a long, drawn out process. um, But it was that kind of hype. I I, I personally am quite I use the term hyper accountable, um, sort of putting everything on myself um instead of you know oh well if there's no one else to do it I'll, I'll do it myself and it, it's down to me to get it done you know for the organization um and it's very easy to do that partly as yeah. a character but also when you work in the charity sector you know everyone's there because they want to help uh, and you know know that the charity sector don't have money to throw at things so you know you do go the extra mile um but yeah in my case um I, I didn't know when to stop, carried on uh, and suffered for it. And then I went back, um, but the one good thing about that, though, was that the organization realized just how much I was doing. And so I split my job in half, um, got uh, another person in, and that really did help. Um, and then I, I just burned out in November, This just gone. And that was, re- I was already burned out in November before, in November 2019 at that point, because I remember reaching out to my GP and saying, can you please refer me back to mental health? Um, I- I'm feeling like I'm slipping again um and waiting lists are awful so it wasn't until july that i got onto the waiting list uh, at yeah. the top of it and got some cbt counseling again um with a lovely lady she was really helpful um but yeah unfortunately again i i, I just kept on um hurting myself really uh, and you know people around me were telling me um and i just wasn't really listening i didn't kind of believe it i thought i was superwoman uh, which i'm obviously not and um yeah i again i just crashed and uh, ended up going off sick in the October, my um doctor signed me off and then I left in the November because it's like, well, hold on a minute. I promised myself that I'd never put myself through this again. And here I am having done it. And I was like, as much as I love this organization, I'm gonna have to leave okay. because it's not good for my health. You know, I I can't serve them well. Um, and yeah, then I took six months out and redefined my life. And here I am, I've realized that what I'm going to is freelance because uh, when I was young, I set up a computer game store and uh, ran my own business then. So it's almost like a return to, you know, back then. Yeah, back back to where it all
0: began in a way. Uh, mm. Yeah. And, and the topic of burnout is interesting. that um, I think you're about the third or fourth woman that I've interviewed on this podcast who's experienced burnout. Um, mm. And it is, it is a, a wide issue, but it doesn't often get talked about. Um, I do think it's a topic that does need to be talked about because it is, it is real. And it's, um, I, I, I'm increasingly seeing people who are experiencing burnout. Mm. And I did even wonder, you know, one of the women that I've sort of interviewed on my podcast who've experienced it, it got me wondering as well, um, do more introverted women experience burnout than extroverted women and so I am actually mm. doing research around that and I came across a study that was done in China among mm. nurses and they they identified that the intro, introverts experienced it um more increasingly than those who were not and mm. you know, so it is something that I mean that that was just one study but it is something that I am going to do a bit more research around to see whether you know, you know just do a bit more research around burnout because I'm increasingly coming across women who are experiencing burnout and I do think that organizations do need to be aware of this and, and think about how they manage it as well. Hmm.
1: Yeah because when you were saying I, I immediately started thinking of this exact same thing I wonder if us as, as introverts you know a more prone to you know burnout and i think because the I say the world but certainly you know the western world and corporate life is so geared to extroverts mm. it it means that as introverts just our existence on a daily basis means that we're having to um sort of give so much energy of ourselves mm. anyway um that that uh, I, th- I think it is not surprising that that study's found that it'll be I'll, I'll be fascinated to see uh, your next book on this then
0: <laughs> thank you for that Michaela <laughs> <laughs> yes maybe that might be my book Ooh. yeah and so um, in terms of how cyber the, in the cyber se- security profession can be more inclusive very, uh, particularly sort of here in the, the west the UK very much white male dominated what can the industry do to be more inclusive
1: okay um there's quite a lot uh, that can be done um one of the things is that i'm pleased to see starting happening is that some of the professional industry bodies um can you know set up those diversity and inclusion committees, get the right people on there, and start to seriously look at you know what tools they could create to help support organizations who, who want to increase the diversity. So that's one thing. Um, I, I think that it would be great to see more diversity on the boards of organizations in terms of like non-executive directors and trustees, because that, I mean, the lack of diversity at that level um, doesn't really support um, people doing it below Mm -hmm. in terms of, I always think, you know, be the change you want to see, And when we look at that, it's not there. So uh, I've actually recently joined um, an organization that's looking at exactly how can we get more um, ethnic minorities onto boards of companies um, to try and bring in that diversity of thought as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And also I I think companies mustn't assume that just because i'm black and a woman and i happen to be technically disabled as well because of the cancer diagnosis Mm -hmm. that that means i'm suddenly an expert on how to actually deliver you know diversity and inclusion in organization because it doesn't
0: you Mm -hmm. know there there are other people better qualified than me for that we see that often don't we because somebody's black okay they can be the one that
1: Deliver. Yeah. Yeah. Or
0: because it's the woman, they can be the one that, even though that may not necessarily be their area of expertise. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. And, oh, um, you know what I
1: can do, is be a stakeholder and share my lived experience uh, about you know, where it's been difficult and how I think people could, you know, better support me in terms of organisations. Um, and I, I think, you know, the job descriptions, for example. Um, being more mindful about the wording of those, and, and you know, proactively sort of saying, you know, we welcome applications from ethnic minorities um, and uh, other protected characteristics. Um, I mean, there's a, that's probably a whole other podcast in its own, Carol. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe
0: I will have to be
1: black. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just mention one other challenge as well that I've really yeah. had throughout my career, yeah. um, and, and that's again being black. And female mm-hmm. um, as somebody who again introverted you know it, it's difficult to assert yourself and assert your rights to be assertive so when I do I'm immediately seen as an aggressive black woman oh. A- and you know that whole trope and it just drives me nuts mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it's kind of one of those things like well I can either go back to just keeping my mouth shut or you know I'm perceived in that way um it depends on who the audience is obviously but um yeah it can be quite difficult that one
0: yeah and that is something that I hear time and time again um that mm. people being told oh you know you're, you're being aggressive when they're asserting mm. themselves or or yeah. being labeled as the angry black woman um mm. and you know sometimes and I remember once speaking to a woman who she'd been sort of a, I think she'd been a Uh, chief operating officer she'd been in a very senior position in an organization um Mm. and and she was having a lot of problems because she was told that she was aggressive and um things had things that the relationship with her employees had just completely broken down and she was a she was an african woman Um, Mm. and you know i think sometimes they you know people organizations may not necessarily understand the different nuance, nuances of different cultures absolutely um, yes and, and then misunderstand or misinterpret certain cultural expressions mm. um, as being aggressive or being when they're not mm. and there's that I agree cultural, completely um, understanding mm. But, mm. Yeah, I hear that time and time again Oh, you're too aggressive, um, mm. not being aggressive, or being assertive, or asserting themselves. Whereas, you know, a white counterpart may have spoken up about a particular issue and yeah. they've been saying, Oh, they're confident and assertive. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is, that is a bugbear. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And so, what advice would you give to someone from um, an ethnic minority background entering the profession? Uh, So,
1: entering cybersecurity profession specifically. Um, So, I think the first thing I'd say, if they're completely new to it, is um, and uh, there's a book that I recommend. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is it okay to mention the name of it? Please,
0: yes, yes. Um,
1: So, it's called Confident Cybersecurity. How to get started in cybersecurity and future-proof your career. Mm-hmm. It's by uh, the wonderful Jessica Barker, and it's a really easy, um, accessible read that sort of explains about you really what the field is, the different types of careers that are in it, because it's much more than um, <laughs> one of the things our industry suffers from as well. Uh, apart from you know, being male, white-dominated, is there are certain roles that are seen as being like the rock stars of cybersecurity, and that's the penetration testers. Penetration testers are effectively... People who are pretending to be hackers, they come and attack the organization in the same way an attacker would to highlight where the organization's weak so that you can then go and do something about it. And, you know, everyone sees there's the rock stars, but there's so many other roles available that are really valuable and really needed. And the thing I like about her book is that she talks about those and then explains, you know, the next sort of steps you can take so that's my first piece of advice my next piece of advice is to sort of immerse yourself a little bit in the different areas find out about about the different roles find out what excites you that you can really get passionate about and then dig further into that particular thing because cybersecurity is such a wide field you can't do everything you can't know everything despite wanting to try <laughs> and I didn't try but it's impossible um and um you know you, you need to rely on the knowledge of others and work with others and um so find something that's exciting that'll keep your en- enthusiasm going because the other thing I would say cybersecurity is hard you do need to be resilient to work in this field and if you know your or not then i'd actually recommend staying away um but if you are then you can have a wonderful career especially if you get bored easily because it's always so much variety Mm -hmm. and then the third piece of advice i'd give is find a mentor once you've figured out you know what that piece is that excites you Find somebody who works in that space, reach out to them and have a conversation with them about their career, how they've gone, and you know, ask them, would they be willing to mentor you? There's lots of us in the profession who um, do mentoring both informally and formally. Um, and um, I'm a mentor on the uh, Global Cybersecurity Hub. I can uh, send you a URL afterwards. Um, and there's um, like the Women in Cybersecurity uh, Association as well, they've got mentoring schemes. So there's lots of support out there. You just need to know where to find it. And um I'm always happy to have a chat with somebody if they're interested in the field to uh, talk about you know what their journey
0: might look like. Oh great, thank you for that. And That's I'll right. I'll also um the, the book that you mentioned pass on to my nephew because my nephew, he's uh he's doing um he's at university studying cybersecurity and brilliant. He's been um applying for like a years um internship uh work, work placement uh is before he does his final year and yeah he's lots of interviews but he's not actually got through so i'll recommend that book to him
1: okay um, I mean, tell you what, if you want to pass on my details, mm-hmm. I'm happy to have a chat with him about that because maybe it's his interview technique. Um, I actually, when I was working at a, a charity called Marie Curie, which is an end of life healthcare charity in the UK, um, I um, worked with the National Cybersecurity Centre as a member of the Cyber First partnership. Mm-hmm. Now, Cyber First is a scheme to sort of get the pipeline going for young people in cybersecurity, starting right from when they're kids, you know, little kids up through school. They've got girls competition and stuff and they do bursaries uh, for kids at university as well. So um, I actually took on three students uh, in the summer last year um, and... I would uh, say so it's actually really important about your CV. It needs to be clear about, you know, why it is you want to work for that organisation and tailoring. So my question would be, are they doing that? Um, the enthusiasm needs to come through. Um, and I have to say, each of these students I had were wonderful. I'd have given each of them a job if I'd had the money. So, um,
0: yeah, please do share my details and I'll see if I can help them. Oh, thank you for that. Now, that would be great. Thank you. Um I'll um I'll make that introduction. So um what advice would you give your younger self, the Michaela, that is starting out in a world of <laughs> who um introverted, black, what what would you say to her? Knowing what you know now, what would you say to her?
1: Love yourself. mm mm-hmm. Yes. The, the so way important. you are,
0: yeah yeah that is so important yeah well thank you for that (laughs) and so if if, um listeners want to find out more about you and your work where's the best place to go
1: Um, you can find me everywhere. I'm on uh, Twitter as IG Imp. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, but if you do try and contact me on LinkedIn, please do personalise the invite. I get so many that if it's not personalised explaining why we should connect, I just ignore them. So please do do that. Um, I'm also on. Um, actually, I think Twitter and LinkedIn are probably the best ones for this particular um example actually this audience
0: mm-hmm. yeah,
1: yeah and the name of the book that you
0: you mentioned that you' done a, ch- a chapter and you wrote a chapter what was that called again
1: oh yes that's the rise of the cyber women volume 2 and that's compiled by Lisa Ventura
0: great thank you for that so listeners do check out the book do check out um, Michaela on social media follow her and um, connect with her and do do check out the book And maybe we will see more women rising in cyber security. So thank you very much, Michaela. It's been great having you on and been a wonderful discussion. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. So thank you for listening. And as I said, do check out Michaela, check out the Rise of the Cyber Women. And if you're not part of my High Achieving Introverted Women community, then join my High Achieving Introverted Women group on Facebook. And if you are a senior leader, join the High Achieving Introverted Senior Women LinkedIn group. And if you want to increase your confidence, influence and impact, then go to my website, AboundingSolutions.com. And there is a assessment that you can do on there, free assessment that you can do in there, which will give you some ideas about areas that you can focus on. And so until the next time, bye.